Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus, the leading podcast focused on transformation and change in the higher education space. On today's episode, we speak with Sally K. Janes, who is Associate Vice Chancellor of Continuing and Professional Development at San Jacinto College. Sally and podcast host Amrit Alawalia discuss how Sally has seen non-credit programming evolve over the past decade and how to create connectivity between non-credit and credit sides of the institution. Well, starting off right at the top, why is it so important to create more pathways from non-credit to credit education, both for the students and and for the college? Well, I think the first question you have to ask is, what is the mission of the college? And in workforce education, the mission of the college is to make our students employable. So from that question, you have to say, what does the workforce want? And the workforce often wants to get people started with short-term certifications, Mm -hmm. but they also want their employees to continue their education. They like to build a culture within their organization. And so then bringing those non-credit short-term certifications up through an academic system, for example, where they can get credit and move further up in the industry is something that both our students want and the workforce wants, which means that the college is then meeting their mission. Absolutely. And from that mission perspective, how has the mission of the community college evolved over the past say 10 or 15 years, as there's a greater emphasis being put on on workforce readiness and workforce education? Well, I can just tell you for for 20 years, I taught on the credit side. I taught mathematics (laughs) and did various things on the credit side before I came into um, the world of workforce. I, I actually, as an objective observer, I did, uh, I set up uh, the process for reviewing our workforce training, and that included both credit and non-credit. So I learned a lot by doing that. And so seeing that and over time with the needs of the workforce, uh, particularly in the Houston area, with all the different industries, and when I say industry, education is an industry. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a trades industry. There's an insurance industry, but all of them, as we, as Houston grew, there's a multiplier of at least six when you consider a job in a petrochem plant or in a hospital of all the additional services that are needed, whether it's in childcare, whether it's in the grocery store. uh, So that brings in logistics and whatnot. So they were needing more and more people. As they started getting people over the years, they also saw a need where they wanted to hire people that knew a little bit more so they didn't have to do all of the training. And so that's where I saw the non-credit division of the community colleges really growing. In the early days, CE, continuing education, really didn't involve workforce education. It involved learning a language, maybe ESL, 
um, dance classes, you know, mm. flower, you know, arranging, those kinds of things. And it really didn't involve workforce. So I would say over the last 15 to 20 years, probably closer to 15, I've seen a tremendous surge in the non-credit short-term certifications to help industry hire those baseline workers to come into their organization. So when we talk about non-credit to credit education bridging, often that you know there's numerous challenges that get raised. I'm wondering if you could walk through some of the, the most common obstacles that people tend to highlight when they say that bridging non-credit to credit education can be challenging. Well, first of all, people do not clearly understand what is taught in the non-credit courses. It, you know, they see the credit courses with, you know, what we used to call the wraparound skills and whatnot. And so when a, someone comes in, let's say with an NCCER certification, and that's also that, it, let's say it's in welding. There, there's a credit course in welding, but NCCER is only a piece of it because on the credit side, many times they also include team building and those kinds of things. So it's a matter of just sitting down and communicating because the, the difficulty is that people don't want to go into the credit side if they're going to lose time from the training and education they've already had. It needs to be built in part of it and, and recognized. And uh, I can tell you that communication is the key to it because several years ago, it was back in 17, 18, I led a group uh, that was looking at apprenticeships. We had a lot of registered apprenticeships in the state of Texas. And some colleges gave credit, some colleges did not. And when they did give credit, it was all over the place. And so a group of us got together with funding from the Texas Higher Ed Coordinating Board and the Department of Labor through our Texas Workforce Commission. And we pulled in 35 people for across, from across the state, community college, faculty, and the individuals who taught those apprentices in the registered apprenticeships. And we divided them up according to whatever apprenticeship they were doing. And I can tell you, the first hour or so was not always pleasant. <laughs> but when they started listening to each other, and I'm going to say that's true communication. You, can't, you don't just communicate by speaking. You communicate by listening to the speaker and vice versa. And so when they started listening to each other and understanding, well, you teach this skill, what does that mean? Oh, okay, now I understand. Well, when that was all said and done, we now have 24 registered apprenticeships across the state of Texas that for which we have identified college credit courses that they can get credit for 
in order to move up and get a degree, an associate degree or specific certifications. So bridging that gap really comes down to communication and the difficulty that people have in not wanting to lose time that they've already spent in training. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting, right? Like communication from a cultural perspective is critical to start creating that, that connectivity. Operationally speaking, what are some of the things that you've done to create more connectivity between non-credit and credit education opportunities to make it just more streamlined for students? Well, here at, at San Jack, you know, we implement what we call the crosswalks. A student comes in, let's say, from a, um, a registered apprenticeship, shows their DOL certification, and then we see exactly what courses we can give them credit for. Internally for the college, we have what is called a Workforce and Economic Development Council. So we have deans from both the credit side and the non-credit side sitting and talking together and understanding, okay, I want to promote this program. How do you feel about it? Where can we start it? Do we need to do uh, some R&D on the non-credit side and start building up some courses that way? And so we do discuss through that venue. Right now, we also have what's called an NCAL grant, where through this grant, we have chosen maritime, some healthcare courses, and um, some IT courses to really start looking at what courses we already have on the non-credit side and where they can fit in on the credit side. So if a student comes in, let's say with some uh, CompTIA courses, what courses on the credit side could they get college credit for? Mm -hmm. And so for years we've been doing uh, credit for prior learning. But this year, we're really looking at defining that and actually doing diagrams so students can see where they can go from here to there and, and working through it that way. Doesn't mean that non-credit will be consumed into a credit program because sometimes people just want that short-term certification. But if they get further along in whatever they're doing and they want to pursue a degree or further certification, it's up to us to see where that, that can lead to and what they can do. So for San Jack, it's a process that we're looking deeply into. We're only starting with these three programs we're going to see how that goes. One of the things we're also looking at in there is to have a, an advisor in healthcare that can say, okay, and really ask questions. What do you really want to do? What skills do you have now? Okay, then perhaps you need to start in CNA, CNA you know, and then they take them into EKG or phlebotomy. But no, if you if you want to go ahead and start with LVN because you've got some of the skills and the knowledge that will allow you to do that, well, okay, we'll put you in an LVN program.
but we really want to show the students and talk to them about where they are now, where they want to be, and so how we can help get them there, whether it's credit, non-credit, all along the line. Absolutely, because that's ultimately that's how the college starts to work for the students instead of the student trying to navigate the college. Exactly, exactly. Now, to that end, um, you've talked about the concept of program stackability being more about stairways and landings than than as as a sort of specific ladder. Could you expand a little bit on that idea? Oh, sure. We all have life commitments. And, and many times, you know, our students, particularly uh, depending upon the demographic of the area in which you serve, you know, students can't just halt, halt their lives and, and be a full-time student. You know, they need a short-term certification that gets them a livable wage and, and gets out there and gives them an opportunity for employability. So I think of something perhaps like getting one of the MSSC certifications in uh, certified logistics technician or certified logistics assistant, which gives them the opportunity to work in a warehouse with a certification. They work in that warehouse for a while. They've taken the stairway to get there. They've landed a job. And so as they work in that job, they see lots of other things going on in that warehouse. Uh, they see, you know, the trucks coming in and out. They talk to the truckers, you know, maybe they want to be a truck driver. So then they, after this, they're going to go into to CDL, but maybe they don't want to be a truck driver. Maybe they see how those trucks are being maintained and they want to be a, a diesel mechanic or in this day and age, an electrical truck mechanic, you know, there, there are other things they could do. The other things they may see are those um, people that do all of the project management, you know, the logistics of coming in and out. And so they want to work in the office. So they get to that landing and then they see, okay, what's the next stairway I can take that'll help lead me to something that, uh, to a career that I want to be in for a longer time. And so they take that pathway, you know, and then they get there and sometimes they say, whoops, this isn't what I really thought it was going to be. And so then they go back, for example, they could go into uh, get their CDL license and then say, no, I'm, I'm not into long haul. I want to do short hauls or I want to stay and be that uh, mechanic that mm -hmm. works on those engines. And so they switch their path. That's fine. As long as they are then, first of all, happy, they're meeting their livable wage needs, and then they can move on. And so that's what I think about as uh, stairways and landings. People have options. I'm going to put you on the spot, Amrit. Are you doing what you started out doing when you no. uh, first started your career? Not even kind of. <laughs> well, no, exactly. not even a little bit. Me either. And so I think uh, we need to, to look at our students and, and think about the, the journey, not the pathway, but the journey we've taken to get where we are. And I think we can help our students more and more by allowing them the freedom, in a sense, to take a stairway, to get on a landing. 
and and have their eyes opened up. And then they may choose to continue on that same sort of pathway, a straighter journey, or they may choose to, you know, hop off, hop on. Absolutely. So when you think about launching a stackable program or the process of launching a, a stackable model for students to follow, what's the first step for leaders that might be considering this kind of model at their own institution? The first thing that I think should be done is to collect a list of all of the offerings you have in a particular area. You don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, you want to keep what you have. You don't want to um, be redundant and recreate something that you've already done. But I think if you look at everything you have and, you know, in a sense, put it all out on a table on little cards and kind of shift them around, you know, to see where, you know, how this puzzle can be put together and, you know, design a journey, different journeys that can take place. But I, I think you, you, the first thing you need to do is look at what you already have. Secondly, I would also ask, what is industry asking for? And then in the workforce world, we need to consider what we have, what the workforce wants, and where we can fill in in between. Sally Kate, if someone's getting dinner in Houston, where do they need to go? Well, what kind of food do they like? <laughs> okay. I mean, <laughs> and where are they? What part of Houston are they in? So, um, and then you kind of go from there. You know, you don't want to, if they say, oh, I, I can't eat that uh, or I don't like that. Okay, you put that aside. But if they're on the northwest side of town, if they're in downtown Houston or if they're on the west side, east side, you know, that'll make a difference as to where you guide them. Absolutely. Well, let me ask the question a different way then, which is what's your favorite restaurant in Houston? Oh, my goodness. It kind of depends on the day. And, and <laughs> I can't give you a straight answer. Um, you know, I'll tell you um, one of the favorite places my husband and I go on a Friday night is a, a small Italian restaurant called Zamidi's. And it's on the lake out here in Kingwood. And we just like the atmosphere. You know, the food is good. I always order the one of two things, but we just like the atmosphere. The owner is friendly. It's a small restaurant, but, um, you know, so that's where we would typically go. If I go, you know, then, then if we want to make a night of it and go downtown, I don't know. It, it just all depends. I can't give you a straight answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> totally reasonable. Hey, well, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much again for taking the time out to chat. Oh, you bet. I've enjoyed it. This podcast is made possible by a partnership between Modern Campus and The Evolution. The Modern Campus engagement platform powers solutions for non-traditional student management, web content management, catalog and curriculum management, student engagement and development, conversational text messaging, career pathways, and campus maps and virtual tours. The result, innovative institutions can create learner-to-earner life cycle that engages modern learners for life, while providing modern administrators with the tools needed to streamline workflows and drive high efficiency. 
To learn more and to find out how to modernize your campus, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.